بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمد الله ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا يستوي منكم من أنفق من قبل الفتح وقاتل أولئك أعظم درجة من الذين أنفقوا من بعد وقاتلوا وكله وعد الله الحسنى وقال تعالى إن الذين سبقت لهم من الحسنى أولئك عنهم وبعدون لا يسمعون حسيسها وهم في مشتهة أنفسهم خالدون وقال الله سبحانه وتعالى محمد رسول الله والذين معه أشداء على الكفار رحماء بينهم سنق الله العظيم الحمد لله مجيب برغز بثنك الله سبحانه وتعالى ذات الله سبحانه وتعالى ذكذا رسيا to make some worry and concern about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remind ourselves about Sayyiduna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the family of Sayyiduna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to educate ourselves with regard to the correct beliefs which we're supposed to have with regard to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we all need to realize that the importance of iman if a person will realize the importance of iman realizes the value of iman then it will become easy for a person to protect his iman. He will be careful not to compromise his iman in any way. He will be careful to, to not to say anything which may cause his iman any harm. So, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us believers. He has granted us as kalima la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. This kalima la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah is a person needs to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person needs to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, believe in Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as the last of all Anbiya alayhi wa sallam, and to believe in the Akhirah, to believe in the year after, that we will be resurrected, we will be taken, we will be brought to life again, we will have to give account in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of our entire lives. So this entire deal of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the criteria for success is based upon this iman, that a person will have iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a person will have iman in Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A person will have iman in Akhirah. There are other details, other aspects of iman also which we need to have. That if a person will have this iman in all these, he has full yaqeen in all these, then this constitutes this person, this brings the person into the fall of Islam. And if a person does not accept any of these things or he negates anything, then he does not come into the fall of Islam. So you know, alhamdulillah, if a person his entire life he just believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He commits sins. He does every wrong. But before he passes away, he brings iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He brings correct beliefs in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He believes in Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He believes in the akhirah and he passes away. Then inshallah, by him bringing iman, this will wipe away all his sins of his entire life. Even though he did not do any actions. He did not do any, any actions. So this iman is the criteria for success. This iman is the criteria for success. Alhamdulillah, we hear the Jamaat brothers all the time making alan that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept the success of the entire humanity only in his deed. In this iman, in this kalima, la ilaha So if a person will have true iman, then he will be successful. And if a person does not have correct beliefs, correct iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this person will be unsuccessful. We know the Christians, the Jews, they believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they believe in all the Anbiya alayhim salam, but they do not believe in Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and because of this, the iman is not accepted. The iman is not accepted. So similarly, a person, when a person, if a person is to adopt certain beliefs, in spite of having iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he believes in Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but it is possible that he adopts certain beliefs which contradict this iman. And by adopting certain types of beliefs which contradict this iman, 
this can lead a person out of the fall of Islam. Out of the fall of Islam. So we got no guarantee myself, I got no guarantee that I'm going to pass away with Iman. So we need to make a worry and concern all the time to worry about our Iman, to protect our Iman. And we need to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, all the time to protect our Iman. To protect our Iman. And also we need to make ikhtiyar, we need to choose the means and the different ways of protecting our Iman. The different ways and means of protecting our Iman. So the ulama mentioned different, different ways, different, different means of protecting our Iman. It is important for us to protect our Iman. So like this, it comes in the ahadith that in the day of Qiyamah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will, there will be certain believers because of them disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will go into the fire of Jahannam. They will go into the fire of Jahannam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will purify them for their sins. Until finally Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell the malaika that even that person has got the least amount of iman in his heart, take him also out of the fire of Jahannam. And on that day that every disbeliever will wish that if only in this world he recited this kalima once. That if only they were believers in this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also save them from the fire of Jahannam. So we need to understand this criteria, this iman is very, very important. It is the criteria for success. And the life of this world is short. The things of this world is temporary. It comes in the hadith that the person will be brought in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This person was the most wretched person in this world. He went through the most amount of difficulties in this world. He never saw ease, he never saw comfort. Who this person is, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. The most wretched person in this world, the one person who went through the most amount of difficulties. And he will be dubbed for a few seconds in, in, in Jannah. He will be put into Jannah for a few seconds. And then he will be taken out of Jannah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask him that, Oh my servant, did you see any difficulty in your life? Did you see any discomfort in your life? He will take a qasam by the qasam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I've never saw any discomfort. I've never saw any discomfort, never saw any, any difficulties in my entire life. So this entire life of difficulties, whether it was 60 years, 70 years, a few seconds in Jannah, it will remove everything. The reality of the year after will remove all this entire life. A few seconds of the year after, it will remove this, whatever person may have difficulties in this world. And on the other hand, a person will be brought, he's the most, the person who was in the most luxuries in this world. He enjoyed every comfort, every luxury. He never saw any difficulty. He will be brought, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put him for a few, Allah ta'ala will tell the angels to put him for a few seconds in the fire of, of Jahannam. He will be taken out of the fire of Jahannam, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask him, did you see any ease, did you see any comfort in your life? He will take a qasam by the qasam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and never saw any ease and never saw any comfort in my entire life. So his entire life of ease and comfort, a few seconds in the fire of Jahannam, it will make him forget everything. It will make him forget everything. So we need to see how we can protect our iman so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can make us enter into Jannah and save us from the fire of Jahannam. Part of protecting our iman, we know the core beliefs of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, the fundamental beliefs of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, there are many, many fundamental beliefs. But out of those fundamental beliefs, the three main fundamental beliefs of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that we need to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we believe in Sayyiduna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and we believe in the Akhirah, to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to believe in Sayyiduna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and to believe in the Akhirah. Unfortunately, this, this group of people who we call the Shias, They've added one more belief. They've added one more belief. We've got three core beliefs. They've added one more belief and they believe, they, they've added the fourth belief and they claim that we need to believe in imamat. We need to believe in imamat. What is imamat? That they believe that just like how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has appointed Anbiya alayhi and sent Anbiya alayhi to this world, 
Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also divinely appointed who will be the khulafa, who will be the khalifas of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So this is their fourth belief. This is their fourth belief. And this is a totally concocted belief. It was never found in the time of Sahaba radiallahu anhu. It is not found anywhere. The ayat in the Quran are so many with regard to believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The ayat in the Quran are so many with regard to believing in Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The ayat in the Quran are so many with regard to believing in the Akhirah. So naturally the question comes about that if you claiming this is such an important belief, where is it mentioned in the, in the Quran? Then na'udhu billah they say, no, the Quran is, is not complete, na'udhu billah. They don't believe that the Quran being, being complete because of this belief which they have concocted. You know when a child is small, then we tell the child that you shouldn't lie. When you, leave, when you speak one lie, it leads to a, to another lie. And one lie leads to a second lie leads to a third lie. And unfortunately this is, this is, this is the entire deen is based upon this one big lie. This one big, big lie. That they claim, na'udhu billah, that it is, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala divinely appointed these khulafa after Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And because of this one lie, they needed to now say now that the Quran is incomplete. Na'udhu billah. Sahaba radiallahu anhu are not just, where's the rest of the Quran? No, Sahaba radiallahu anhu hid the Quran, na'udhu billah. And the lies continue and continue. There is no end to their lies. There is no end to, the, to their lies because of this big lie. Because of this big lie. So we need to understand that just like how a person, because of sins, sins also affect our iman. When a person commits a sin, it affects his iman. It comes in the ahadith that when a person commits zina, then his iman comes out of his heart. It hovers above it like a cloud. And when a person, na'udhu billah, when he stops doing this particular action, then his iman comes back into it. So all of us, alhamdulillah, we all understand that sins harm our iman. Sins harm our iman. But similarly also we need to understand there are certain ideologies, certain thoughts that can also harm our iman. That can also harm our iman, can take us out of the fall of Islam. A person may be reading his salah, a person may be performing hajj, giving zakah, he's performing his fasting in the month of Ramadan. But if he's got the wrong beliefs, then also this can also cause him to go out of the fall of Islam. So we need to be very, very careful where we take our deen from, where we take our deen from, where we learn our deen from. It shouldn't be that we learn and we want to learn our deen from, from the internet, we want to learn our deen from all different, different sources. We should be very, very careful to look after our iman. If a person realizes the value of iman, then this person will look after his iman. He will look after his iman. And the easiest way to look after our iman is we should worry about the practical things in life. That in Islam there are certain things which are theoretical, they've got to do with certain ideologies, certain mindset. We should worry more about our practical lives, our practical lives. What is going to affect us practically in our life? There were many, many of the Sahaba, many of the Tabi'een, if a person would come and ask them a question, a person would come and ask them a question, they wouldn't answer his question if it did not have any practical implication in the person's life. If there was no practical implication in the person's life, he wanted to know something, it was just some information. It was just some information. It wasn't going to have a practical effect in this person's life. They wouldn't answer his question. They wouldn't answer his question. So they would encourage people to worry about the practical, the things that were more practical in their lives, more practical in their lives. So also this type of things, we need to bring it into our lives. We need to worry about our practicality, about our closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, about our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our relationship with Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and how to improve ourselves with regard to the matters of our deen, the matters of our deen. We shouldn't delve too much into certain intellectual things or certain ideologies, 
and certain things and try to worry and think about what are all these things because these things can harm our can harm our iman so today our topic of discussion is Sayyidina Hassan ibn Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu Sayyidina Hassan was as we all know was the grandson of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he was the grandson of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he was born in the third year after Hijrah in the third year after after Hijrah after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Hijrah to Madinah Munawara thereafter after Hijrah Ali radiallahu anhu married Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha and from this marriage, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with a son, Hassan radiallahu anhu. He was the eldest of the children of Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Ali radiallahu anhu. And he was born in Sha'ban in the third year after Hijrah. In Sha'ban in the third year after Hijrah. So he was born in his 50th year after, after Hijrah. So from the third year to the 50th year, he lived for 47, 47 years. 47 years. Naturally, he was born in the third year after Hijrah. And Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed away in the tenth year after Hijrah. In the tenth year after Hijrah. So when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed away, he was approximately seven years, seven years old. Seven years old, he was a child during the time of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when he was born, then Ali radiallahu anhu, Ali radiallahu anhu named him, he named him Harb. He named him Harb. The word Harb in the Arabic language means war, a warrior. War to fight a warrior, a person who is brave, courageous in war. Ali radiallahu anhu named him, then inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will use him to destroy the disbelievers. Ali radiallahu anhu was a person who was very brave and courageous. So we can also see this effect of his brave and courageousness in him naming his, his son. When, it, when the son was brought to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he asked, what did you name, name him? Ali radiallahu anhu said, I named him Harb. So Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, no, we will name him Hassan. We will name him Hassan. Hassan means good. Hassan means uh, peace. There are many, many different meanings in the Arabic language which revolves around us, this particular meaning. So Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam immediately, he intended something else. He intended something else for this grandson, grandson of his. So he named him Hassan. Thereafter Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he himself gave the adhan in the ears of Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu. We know when a child is born, then we give adhan in the ear, one ear. We recite the iqam in the other year. So Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself was the one who gave adhan in the year of Hassan radiallahu anhu. After giving, then also Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also himself performed the aqiqah of Hassan Hussein radiallahu anhu. The aqiqah was done by Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam naturally, he loved his grandsons very much. You know, every grandfather loves his children, loves his grandchildren even more than the, the children. The children all complain. See, our father loves our children more than, more than us. So naturally, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also loves Sayyidina Hassan and Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anhu very much. It comes in many ahadith that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to make this dua that Allahumma inni uhibbuhuma. Allahumma inni uhibbuhuma fa'ahibbahuma. Wa'ahibba may yuhibbuhuma. Wa'ahibba may yuhibbuhuma. That oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, verily I love these two grandsons of men. So oh Allah, you also love them. You also love them. And love those who love them. Love those who, who love them. So by us instilling, inshallah, in our hearts, the love for Sayyidina Hassan and Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu, we will also, this will be a means of us becoming beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the more, inshallah, the more we will learn about the life of Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu, of Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anhu, we learn about them, the more we love them, this will be a means of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loving us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loving us. 
So Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu ta'ala anhu grew up in the, as, uh, under the nurturing of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we can imagine that there was no better person to nurture him, no better person, no better creation in this world to nurture him than Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he was brought up in the house of Nubuat. The house of Sayyidina Fatima radiallahu ta'ala was very close to the house of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they were all the time, they were all the time with their grandfather, with Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And there are many incidents which shows the love which Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had for them. There was once when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was performing salah and Sayyidina Hassan came upon his, came upon his back. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam lengthened his sujood until he felt now the child is off my back. And then after he, he got up from his sujood. So this was the love that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had for his, for his grandson. Once he was giving a khutbah, and when he was giving the khutbah, Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhu entered the masjid. They entered the masjid and they came into the masjid. And Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw them and they, they were stumbling, they fell, they were tripping on their kurta. And they came into the masjid. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam got off the mimmar and put them, and carried them and put them in the mimmar. And then he recited the ayat, he said, Sadaqallahu al-Azim, that inna amwalakum awladukum fitna. That verily your wealth and your children are trial and tribulation for you. Are trial and tribulation for you. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying, see that I was giving a khutbah, I saw my grandson, and I did not have any patience, I wanted to carry him, and I went down and I carried him. And then after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam continued in his, in his khutbah. So this is a lesson for us, that also we also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with wealth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with children. We need to see that our wealth and children should not take us away from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, should not take us away from the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another ayat of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu inna min azwajikum wa uladikum aduwan lakum fahdaruhum. That all people of iman in your wives and in your children, they are enemies for you. They are enemies for you, so fear them. So fear them. Enemies for us. Our wives and our children are enemies for us. Yes, they are enemies for us if they will take us away from the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If they will be a barrier for us in fulfilling the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, following the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we should try to make sure that we make, make an effort in our homes so that they can also encourage, we should encourage one another to obey the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and follow the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the love for Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was quite a and the features, Ulama mentioned that the features of Hassan radiallahu anhum, he resembles Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam very much. Especially from his chest upwards. From his chest upwards, Hassan radiallahu anhu resembles Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam very much. And Hussein radiallahu, Hussein radiallahu anhu on the other hand, he resembles Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more from the chest downwards. From the chest downwards, he resembles Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We know that he heard certain ahadith. Once a person asked Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu, which ahadith you memorized from Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he mentioned that on one occasion, there was a kajur lying on the ground and I ate the kajur. And Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam removed this kajur from my mouth and he, he said to me that we are the families of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inna ala Muhammadin la tahillunana sadaqah. Gee, that sadaqah is not permissible for us. Sadaqah was not permissible for Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And sadaqah is not permissible for the family of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is one of the ahadith that Sayyidina Hassan remembered from Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Thereafter he also mentioned that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught me that da'ma yaribuka ila ma la yaribuka. Fa'inna sadaqatun aninatun wal kathiba ribatun. That you should leave that which causes doubt in your heart for that which does not cause any doubt. 
that if a person is doubting whether he should do something, is it permissible, is it not permissible? Then if he is doubting whether it's permissible or not, then rather don't do it. Rather don't, don't do it. Leave that which will cause doubt in your heart for that which has got no doubt in your heart. Thereafter, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explained, Truth, you will always be content and peaceful with it. Truth, you will always be content and peaceful with it. And whenever a person speaks a lie, whenever there is some falsehood, then there will always be doubt, doubt that will be linked with it. There will be always doubt linked with it. So what a great, great advice for us that we have learned from Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu, that a simple principle in our lives, that if we are doubting if anything is permissible or not, it's better not to do it. Better not to do it. This is what Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu. And to always speak the truth. To always speak the, the truth, always to remain far from falsehood. Also the famous qunut, which the Shafi'i is reading the Fajr Salah. We sometimes, the Hanafis, we read in our qunut in Azira. Allahumma hadini fi min hadayt, wa afini fi min afayt. This entire hadith also was narrated by Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu. He asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to teach him a dua, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught him this, this dua. So this dua also, there's many, many meanings in this dua, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught, Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu. One of the meanings is, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's honor is with those who will be obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those who will go against the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they will bring upon the wrath and the, the, the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we should stay, stay far from that. So these are some of the ahadith that Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu had and narrated from Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. After the demise of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we know it was the Khilafat of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Khilafat of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And also Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu had a very, very good relationship with Hassan radiallahu anhu. He had a very good relationship with Ali radiallahu anhu and also the children of, of Ali radiallahu anhu. Once Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu performed salah, and after performing the Asr salah, he went out of the masjid. He was walking out of the masjid, him and Ali radiallahu anhu. And he saw Hassan radiallahu anhu playing with some of the youngsters. So immediately Abu Bakr took Hassan and he put him on his, on his shoulder. We take youngsters sometimes, we put them on our shoulders. So Abu Bakr put him on his shoulder and he mentioned the hadith that bi Abi Shabihun bin Nabi, Laysa Shabihun bi Ali. He mentioned that definitely this, this grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he looks same like Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he doesn't look like his father. And Ali radiallahu was, was listening. So Ali radiallahu was smiling. That yes, he looked like Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more. He resembled Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more than he resembled Sayyidina Ali radiallahu So this shows there was no animosity, there was no difference between the Sahaba radiallahu anhum and the family of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of the ayats which I mentioned in the beginning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, that Muhammad Rasulullah, definitely Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ مَعَهُمْ That those who are with Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum, أَشِدَّاوْ عَلَى الْكُفَّارِ They are hard and they are severe upon the disbelievers. They are hard and severe upon the, the disbelievers. But, رُحَمَاءُ بَيْنَهُمْ Amongst themselves, they are all merciful and compassionate. Amongst themselves, they are all merciful and compassionate to one another. Merciful and compassionate to one another. There is no animosity amongst themselves, amongst the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. So, رُحَمَاءُ بَيْنَهُمْ This is including all the family of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ali radiallahu anhu, all the other sahaba radiallahu anhum. There is no animosity amongst them. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us 
witness in the Quran that this is the conditions of the heart of Sahaba radiallahu anh, that they have no animosity among them, they are all together and united. Why we are stressing upon this? Because unfortunately some of the lies which have been being portrayed is that na'udhu billah, that Sahaba radiallahu anhum on one side and the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the other side, na'udhu billah. That there were some, there were things between them. Because now they need to prove that, they want to prove that falsehood, that big lie which they claim, that the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam all will become the Khalifa after after Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and na'udhu billah Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and the other sahaba radiallahu anhu they all usurped this khilafah from the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so the ulama always try to explain and they mentioned many ulama of the past also they wrote kitabs to show the love and the, the relationship between the rest of the sahaba radiallahu anhu and the family of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the time of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu's character had such a great effect on Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu, that later on in his life, one of his children, he named them Abu Bakr. One of his sons, he named him Abu Bakr. So if there was animosity, if there was anything, would a person name his son by the name of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu? He would not name him. So this shows there was nothing. There was nothing between them. That Hassan radiallahu anhu named his son Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. We know the time of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was not a lengthy time of khilafah just over two years, two and a half years. And after that was the time of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu also enjoyed a very, very good relationship with the family of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu married the sister of Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhu. One of the daughters of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, her name was Ummi Kulthum. Umar radiallahu anhu married the daughter of Sayyidina of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu. So he married the, the, the sister of Sayyidina Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhu. Umar radiallahu anhu, when he got married, he told the Sahaba radiallahu anhu that my desire, my reason of marrying Umm Kulthum was not that I've got desire in nikah, like what a man wants from a woman, but it is because I heard Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioning that every nasab and every other sabab will come to an end. All other, all the other progenies will come to an end except my progeny. That Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned that his progeny will continue till the day of, till the day of Qiyamah. So Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu also wanted to have some part of the progeny of, being part of the progeny of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that by him marrying Umm Kulthum, the daughter of Fatima radiallahu anha, the daughter of Ali radiallahu anhu, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may give him progeny also, which will be counted as part of the progeny of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this was the amount of love they had for Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It can be possible that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's love, love his, love, love, loves his grandson so much, and the Sahaba radiallahu anhum loved Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so much, and now they're going to have animosity towards the grandsons of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who he loved so much. This cannot be possible. It cannot be possible. Can we imagine the love that Sahaba radiallahu anhum had for Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? And they having so much love for Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when you will love Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, automatically you will love the family of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So it can be that you love Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but you hate his immediate family. That cannot be possible. This cannot be, cannot be possible. Once in the time of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, so there was one incident. Then he, after he mentioned that that the Qaraba and the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is more beloved to me that I may keep a relationship with the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more than my own family, more than my own family. That Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was more careful in keeping his, the relationship with the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more than with his own, with his own family. To show the love and the bond they had amongst, among themselves. Similarly in the time of 
the time of Umar radiallahu anhu, the spoils of war, Umar radiallahu anhu, alhamdulillah, there were many, many conquests that took place in the time of Umar radiallahu anhu, when the spoils of war were being distributed, then the spoils of war were distributed according to the certain, according to the Sahaba who brought Iman first, the people of Badr, and similarly, certain Sahaba were given more than others, were given more than, more than others. Umar radiallahu anhu, from his side, he had appointed that Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhu should get the same portion as their father should get the same portion as their father who was part of the Sahaba who took part in the battle of, of Badr. So Umar made sure that Hassan and Hussein would also get the same amount which was 5,000 dirhams at that time. 5,000 dirhams, they would get the same amount that would be given to the people of Badr, to the Sahaba who participated in, in Badr. This shows the, the great affection and love he had for the sons of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu. Later on, in the time of Uthman radiallahu anhu also, they enjoyed a very very good relationship with Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu. In the time of Uthman radiallahu anhu, the conquest they was, was spreading quite a bit in the Islamic world. And from Egypt, the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, they conquered Egypt, and then they were going further down, they were conquering parts of North Africa, North Africa. But from North Africa right up towards Morocco, that way towards the West, Northwest Africa. And in those battles also, Sayyidina Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhu also took part. They were, they were young in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This happened in the year, in the 26th year of Hijrah, 27th year of Hijrah. So they were approximately 24 years old at that particular time. They also took part in those battles. In other words, they also considered Uthman radiallahu anhu to be a legitimate khalifa of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Whatever battles were taking place, they would perform salah behind them. They would take part in the expeditions that were taking place under their rule, so much so that they were ready to give their lives in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala under those armies that were sent out by Uthman radiallahu anhu. So if they were not happy with him, would a person would be willing to give his life in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala under a emir who is, na'udhu billah, an illegitimate khalifa? That would not have been, not, not have been possible. So all this shows that there was no animosity between the Sahaba radiallahu anhum and the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Similarly, in the time there were certain trials and tribulations which started taking place. When, not naturally, when the Muslim world was flourishing, when Islam was flourishing, then the enemies of Islam were not very happy. Were not very happy. So there were certain forces that tried to create this unity amongst the Muslims, and which finally this led to the assassination of Uthman radiallahu anhu. But before the assassination of Uthman radiallahu anhu in Medina Munawwara, Ali radiallahu anhu himself came and, and said that I will protect Uthman radiallahu Afterwards, Uthman radiallahu anhu told him, no, not to worry, don't worry. Ali radiallahu anhu went home and he sent his two sons. He sent Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhu to protect Uthman radiallahu anhu. So this was the relationship they had that he was, he sent his two sons to protect Uthman radiallahu anhu, to protect Uthman radiallahu anhu. This was the close, close relationship they had with Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Similarly afterwards, when Ali radiallahu anhu became the Khalifa after Uthman radiallahu anhu, then Ali radiallahu anhu his Khilafah lasted till the, till the year, he passed away in the 40th year after Hijrah. In the 40th year after, after Hijrah. So naturally now the Khalifa was their father. Now there is not going to be, there is no need to mention anything with regard to the relationship between the father and the, and the children. And during the end of the Khilafah of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu when he was assassinated, when he was on his deathbed, then Ali radiallahu anhu, the certain people told him to appoint a Khalifa. So Ali radiallahu anhu said that if I appoint a Khalifa, then definitely certain person before me has also appointed a Khalifa. Certain person before me has also appointed a, a Khalifa. Referring to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu had appointed Umar radiallahu anhu. 
And if I do not appoint a Khalifa, then the person who is better than, better than me is also not appointed a Khalifa. Referring to Sayyiduna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu anhu is saying that Sayyiduna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not appoint a, did not appoint a, a Khalifa. So yeah, we hearing it directly from Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu anhu. He's saying that Sayyiduna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not appoint a Khalifa. Whereas these people, na'udhu billah, they saying, no, it is divinely, it, is, it was revealed to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu in the Qur'an that he had to appoint a, a khalifa. And Ali radiallahu himself is saying that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa did not appoint a, appoint a khalifa. So from this we can understand that this particular falsehood which they are spreading, there is no basis for it. Going more into the life of Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu, Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu, after the demise of Ali radiallahu anhu, the people of Kufa loved him very much. And they appointed him as the Khalifa. They appointed him as the, as the Khalifa. And the, the Khilafat of Hassan radiallahu anhu was very, very, for a short while. It lasted for only seven months and eleven days. Seven months and eleven days. So after the, after the 40th year of Hijrah, till the 41st year of Hijrah, this was the, for approximately seven months, it, he was the, the Khalifa. When he became the Khalifa, one of his wives also came to him and said to him, that let tidings be, be to you that now you have become the Khalifa of the Muslims. So he got angry with her. He said, what, you are giving me glad tidings of the, of the, of the passing away of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, that my father has passed away. So he divorced. He divorced. In some hadith it comes, he divorced, so he gave her three divorces. Three divorces. Afterwards he was a bit remorseful. But he also realized that once I give talaq, three talaqs, the marriages, the marriage is over. He didn't go and now see how can I go and look for some other way and way out and try to see that how we can find a way out. Na'udhu billah. Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they understood, they were steadfast upon the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A little more about the life of Sayyiduna Hassan radiallahu anhu. The Sayyiduna Hassan radiallahu anhu, from, from very, very, as we, we had heard that he was born, in, he was brought up by Sayyiduna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So later on we know Ali radiallahu anhu had moved the Khilafah to, to Kufa. And Ali radiallahu anhu had made the base, the base of the, of the Khilafah in Kufa. Because of the spread, widespread of Islam, it was more central. So Ali radiallahu anhu had moved the Khilafah to Kufa. And after a few months in Kufa, Ali radiallahu anhu, we, we mentioned that there were certain differences that happened among Sahaba radiallahu anhu. Certain differences happen among Sahaba radiallahu anhum, and it's natural for people to differ. It's natural for people to differ. Sahaba radiallahu anhum also had differences. But it was never that these differences came and brought animosity in their, in their hearts. It was never that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum had animosity in their hearts. So later on in the Khilafah of, because there were, there were certain differences, there was, um, the difference came about because of the assassination of Uthman radiallahu anhum. When Uthman radiallahu anhum was, was, was made shaheed, then certain Sahaba radiallahu anhu felt that immediately we need to take kisas from those who killed Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu. Other Sahaba felt, no, let's rather settle the Khilafah, let's settle, settle who should be the Khalifa after Uthman radiallahu anhu, and later on we will take kisas from the killers of Uthman radiallahu anhu. So it was a legitimate, legitimate difference. Each one had a, a, a strong point of view, and there was, the, the, in this way, there was a certain difference among Sahaba radiallahu anhu. And afterwards, because of this difference, it led to two different parties among the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. It led to two different parties among the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. And Hassan radiallahu anhu, once in the time of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sitting on the member, and he looked at Hassan radiallahu anhu. And he said, Inna ibni hadha sayyid. That verily the son of mine, he is a leader. He is a leader. 
ولعل الله يصلح به بين طائفتين عظيمتين من المسلمين ان شاء الله دفنت لله سبحانه وتعالى will use him as a means of making peace between two large groups of Muslims between two large group of, of Muslims so this was also a sign of the nubu of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He foreseen something which took place many years after he, he passed away. The ulama mentioned this is one of the signs of the nubu of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him wahi of what is going to happen in the, in the future. And he foretold that this is going to be the great, this great achievement which Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu will, will achieve. In other words, looking at the bigger picture, looking at the betterment of the ummah, he was prepared to let down the khilafah and said that never mind, I will step down for the betterment and for the peace of the Muslims, for the peace and unity of the, of the Muslims. He did not want them to, there shouldn't be any more differences in the ummah, there shouldn't be more any differences among the Sahaba anhum. So he stepped down immediately, he let down his right to Khilafah, and he said that I will be happy to hand over my Khilafah, to hand over my Khilafah. So this was the glad tidings which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had had given via Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Hassan radiallahu anhu. Hassan radiallahu anhu was a very, very tolerant person. Many people would try to make him angry, but he would not get angry. He would not get, get angry. He was a very, very tolerant person. One of his khutbahs, he also mentioned the virtues of tolerance, that a person should be tolerant as much as possible. He would advise Sahaba radiallahu anhu to be tolerant. He would advise the people of Kufa also to be tolerant. He was a very, very tolerant Sahabi. So these are one of the salient qualities of Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu, which we should also learn to try to bring into our lives. One of the other qualities of Hassan radiallahu anhu was he was very, very generous. It comes in the, it comes in the hadith that twice in his life he gave his entire wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Twice in his life he gave his entire wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And thrice in his life he gave half his wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thrice he gave half his wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And twice in his life he gave his entire wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Sahabi says, the narrator says that that time when he gave half his wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to so much so, that the khuf that he was wearing, the mozna that he was wearing, that also he gave in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he only kept the shoe, he only kept the, the shoe. Once he was, uh, he was, there was a person, a person next to him, he was making dua, and this person in his dua, he was asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give him, to give him 10,000 dirhams, to give him 10,000 dirhams. Hassan radiallahu anhu heard this particular person's dua, and after the person finished making dua, he took the person home and he gave him 10,000 dirhams. He gave him 10,000 dirhams. It comes in the hadith, once he gave one person 100,000 dirhams. 100,000 dirhams. 10 dirhams is what we see the minimum mahr on the board, so we can work out how much is 100,000 dirhams. One person he gave 100,000 dirhams. He was very, very generous. He never considered wealth to be anything. Wealth to be, to be anything. He was always inclined towards the year after. Always inclined towards the year after. Part of the ibadah of Hassan radiallahu anhu that every night before he would sleep, he would recite Surah Kahf. He would recite Surah Kahf every night. We recite it on a Friday, alhamdulillah. But we should, we should make sure that we read it every Friday. Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu used to recite Surah Kahf every night. Every night. After he had handed over the khilafah, that was in the 41 year after Hijrah, which we call Amul Jama'ah, then Hassan radiallahu anhu went back to Medina Munawwara. Went back to Medina Munawwara, and he passed the rest of his life in Medina Munawwara. He passes the rest of his life in Medina Munawwara, that means from the, 40, 40, from the year 41 after Hijrah, till the 50th year after Hijrah. And generally it was his trend that he would sit after Fajr in the Masjid, and he would sit till Ishraq. He would sit till Ishraq, he would perform Ishraq, and thereafter he would go and visit, all the Ummahatul Mu'minin. He would visit all the Ummahatul Mu'minin. This shows the bond between the, the family of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and the wives of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Every day he would visit them. Every day he would visit them. 
It comes also in the hadith, the part of the chastity of Sayyidina Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhu, that they would not look at the Ummahatul Mu'minin. That in spite of it being permissible for them to look at them, it was not compulsory upon them to make hijab from, to make hijab from them. But yet, Sayyidina Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhu would not look at the Ummahatul Mu'minin. They would not look at the Ummahatul Mu'minin. So from this also we can learn a lesson of chastity. Today we have so many intermingling, so much intermingling amongst the sexes. There are so much problems which are coming about because of this. Can you imagine Sahaba radiallahu even those women who it was permissible for them to look at, they wouldn't even look at them. They wouldn't look at them. To that extent, they would, they would look after the chest. So we need to take lesson from this. We should make sure that we also try to observe this, this laws of hijab in our personal lives also. And we should try to see that we, we look after our gazes. We look after our gazes. We look after our, our eyes. Similarly, part of the, part of the salient qualities of Hassan radiallahu anhu is that he performed hajj many times. In some narrations it comes, he performed the Hajj 25 times. Other one mentioned he performed the Hajj 15 times. And how he performed the Hajj? He performed the Hajj 15 times from Medina Munawwara to Makkah Mukarramah walking. Walking all the way. He never rode from Medina Munawwara till Makkah Mukarramah. So we can imagine performing so many Hajj. If it's 15 Hajj or 25 Hajj, definitely all the seasons of the year must have come. Sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's cold. In the heat of the desert, he would walk. He would walk performing Hajj. He would just like going and performing Hajj. Abdullah bin Abbas would say that there is only one thing that I regret I didn't do when I was young. One of those things is that I regretted I did not perform Hajj walking. I did not perform Hajj walking. And then he mentioned that Hassan radiallahu anhu performed Hajj 25 times walking. 25 times walking. So Hassan radiallahu anhu used to perform Hajj quite a bit. He used to perform Hajj quite a bit. So this was one of the other qualities of Hassan radiallahu anhu. Once people came for Hajj and he gave them a lot of money. These people told Hassan radiallahu anhu that we are wealthy, we do not need this money. He said, no, you have performed for hajj. You don't know what is the virtues of hajj of standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the plains of Arafah. And he wanted to give them more. He wanted to give them more. So he did not look at who, if a person is wealthy, a person is poor, he, they would spend their money. Sahaba radiallahu anhu, they had so much yaqeen in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yaqeen in the akhirah, that wealth had enough, no, no weight in their eyes, no weight in their eyes. This is another lesson we can learn from Hassan radiallahu anhu. That how he would spend in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they did not worry. Later on, normally when a person, when peace is made, then everybody should be happy. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned this quality of Hassan radiallahu anhu, that this quality of him creating peace in the ummah, this is a great and salient feature of Hassan radiallahu anhu. Yet, there were certain mischief makers who were causing this mischief among Sahaba radiallahu anhu. They were not happy when peace was made. They were not happy when peace was made. Because their object was to create to create this unity. So in the time of Hassan radiallahu anhu also, certain of those people who came, certain person came and told him that there are certain people here in Kufa that are claiming that Ali radiallahu anhu is going to come back into this world. That Ali radiallahu anhu is going to come back into this, into this world, like how na'udhu billah, some of the Shias believe. They believe that Ali radiallahu anhu and the other imams are going to return back into this world. So Hassan radiallahu anhu said, كَذَبُوا wallahi That they, have, they are speaking a, they are speaking a lie, they are lying. Hassan radiallahu said, If this was the case, then we would not have married the wives of Ali radiallahu anhu, we would not have distributed his wealth, his inheritance. Ali radiallahu anhu has passed, has passed away. So this concoction of lies started taking place right in the time of Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu. In the early time, these people have been concocting these lies and this falsehood, and it has been continuing. So we should try to see that how we can take as much as lessons as we can from the lives of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
Another also similar thing, if a person reads the life of Hassan radiallahu he sees that how nikah was very easy in the time of Sahaba radiallahu Nikah was very easy and zina was very difficult. Unfortunately, in our, in our times, because of so much formalities we make with our nikah, that nikah becomes difficult and zina becomes, becomes easy. It shouldn't be like that. It should be in an Islamic society. It should be that nikah is easy and zina is, is difficult. In the time of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, once Abdurrahman bin Afr radiallahu got married, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa didn't even know. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa didn't even, even know that Abdurrahman ibn Auf got, got married. So can we imagine how easy it was to get married in the time of Sahaba radiallahu anhu? The Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa didn't even know one of the Sahabas got, got married. So just the more we make it a formality, the more we make it difficult, the more we want to make more and more expenses, then it becomes, becomes difficult. So these are some of the lessons we can learn from the lives of Sahaba radiallahu anhu from Sayyidina Hassan and, and Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu anhu. Many of the incidents, many of the virtues which the ulama have mentioned with Sayyidina Hassan and Hussain radiallahu anhu, both are included. So from this, inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instill in our hearts once again the love of Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu anhu, the love of Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu anhu, the love of the family of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And may he protect our iman. May he protect our iman. May he protect our beliefs. May he look after the, the iman of our generations and progeny till the day of Qiyamah. And also we should try to remain to create the ta'alluq of our ulama. The only way to, to preserve our iman, to preserve our deen, is we need to create a relationship and a link with our ulama. That community, that nation who's got a strong link with the ulama, it will become very, very difficult for anybody to be able to mislead that particular community with regard to wrong ideologies and wrong beliefs. That community, that people, that nation who have a strong relationship with the ulama, it will become very difficult for, for people to lead them, lead them astray with wrong beliefs and with wrong ideologies. So alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us. People of Marlboro are very, very blessed. We've got many, many ulama. We've got Hazrat Mulana, Yunus Dayasab, Mufti Bilal, Bilal Mullah Sahab, and many, many other ulama here. We can't mention all their names. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq also to create ta'alluq with the ulama. Whenever we need any, any masala, whenever any, any aspect with regard to our deen, we should not turn to the internet, don't look at Google, don't go to all these other avenues. Rather go and sit and ask our ulama. Alhamdulillah, they are all performing salah in the masjid. They are easily accessible. They are not cut off from us, they are not hidden in their homes, it becomes difficult for us to meet them, they are easily accessible. So we should take advantage, we should try to see that how we can benefit the maximum from our ulama. The more our relationship will be strong with our ulama, inshallah, the more difficult it will be for us to go astray. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all tawfiq to benefit and to practice upon whatever we, I have said also that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me tawfiq to practice upon it, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it a means of us Increasing our love for Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, increasing the love for the family of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and for Sahaba radiallahu anhu. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward also Al Farooq who have organized all these programs in the different parts of the parts of the country, in the different different continents. All these programs Mulana asked me to, to mention at the end that all these programs have been kept to educate us with regard to Sahaba radiallahu anhu, to educate us with regard to the wrong beliefs of the Shia, so that we may be, be safe from them, so that we may protect our Iman. And the less a person go, delves into the differences among the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, the easier it will be for a person to protect his, to protect his Iman. A person wants to, a person who delves more and more, he wants to understand what was the differences among the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. If he delves more and more, then after that he wants to form an opinion who was right, who was wrong, na'udhu billah. And afterwards, slowly, slowly, we're going to open up a new door for shaitan to lead us, to lead us astray. 
So the less we delve among, to, in the differences among the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the safer we are. The less we delve in the differences among the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the safer we, we are. We shouldn't open up a new door for shaitan to lead us astray. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Akhru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Subhanallah alhamdulillahi subhanahu wa ta'ala alhamdulillahi wa بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان واحشرنا يوم القيامة مع المتقين مع الإيمان اللهم اجعل اجتماعنا هذا اجتماعا مرحوما وتفرقنا من بعده تفرقا معصوما ولا تجعل فينا ولا منا ولا معنا شقيا ولا محروما إليك رب فحببنا وفي أنفسنا لك رب فذللنا وفي أعين الناس فعظمنا ومن سيء الأخلاق فجنبنا وعلى الصراط المستقيم فثبتنا وعلى الأعداء أعداء الإسلام والمسلمين فانصرنا اللهم أصلح لنا ديننا الذي هو عصمة أمرنا وأصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا وأصلح لنا آخرتنا التي إليها معادنا واجعل الحياة زيادة لنا في كل خير واجعل الموت راحة لنا من كل شر وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين